0: Welcome to NTD News Today. I'm Kevin Hogan. Here are today's top stories. The mayor of Kyiv is warning that if Russia surrounds the city, the capital will run out of resources fast. And Russia is accusing Ukraine of planning an attack on Russian-backed separatists. A bipartisan agreement was reached on the latest aid package for Ukraine. The amount has grown to $14 billion. It is part of a larger spending bill that Congress is working to pass by week's end. President Biden says gas prices will go up and that Russia is responsible. We hear from analysts on how the ban on Russian oil will affect prices at the pump. Data shows Democrat-led states lead the nation in oil prices, with California topping the list. We'll take a look at gas prices around the country. Shelling and evacuation efforts are still underway in Ukraine. So far, the route out of Sumy on the Russian border is the only one that's been used. That's according to AP. A Ukrainian official said 5,000 people were evacuated Tuesday. NTD's Jessica Beatty has the latest updates on the Russia-Ukraine conflict.
1: Russia still shelling Ukrainian cities. This map shows Russian troops pushing towards Kharkiv in the northeast and Ukraine's capital, Kiev, in the north. Kiev's mayor says if Russia encircles the city, resources would run out fast.
2: Kiev right now have uh, resources for, I guess, for a week or maybe two weeks uh, if if Russian make a circle around the Kiev.
1: Hello, this is Over Marie in Kharkiv, footage Kharkiv shows heavy damage to a housing States complex near a military school. Right Kharkiv resident Maria Avdiva filmed it Tuesday nearby. and posted it on social media.
3: Apparently, there is no heating, uh, no electricity, nothing in the nearby houses because of this bombardment. Uh, and I don't know when people will be able to return
1: here. Russian airstrikes also hit Sumi overnight. Local officials say 21 civilians were killed, including two children. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky Wednesday again called on the international community to impose a no-fly zone over Ukraine.
4: If you do
5: not close the sky, you would also be responsible for this catastrophe.
1: So far, NATO leaders have rejected imposing a no-fly zone. Senator Marco Rubio told ABC earlier that a no-fly zone would mean shooting down Russian aircraft. He said that would start World War III. So far, over two million Ukrainian refugees have fled to neighboring countries, including Russia, and Ukraine's trying to evacuate civilians from hard-hit areas. A humanitarian corridor in Sumy was up and running Wednesday for the second day in a row.
5: HUNDREDS OF PEOPLE WERE SAVED. THE HUMANITARIAN CARGO WAS DELIVERED. BUT THAT'S ONLY 1% OF WHAT NEEDS TO BE DONE.
1: Meanwhile, Russia said Wednesday it obtained secret documents proving that Ukraine planned a March attack on Russian-backed separatists in eastern Ukraine. And Russia demanded that the United States explain alleged U.S.-backed bio labs in Ukraine. They allegedly involved deadly pathogens. Ukraine denies the allegations, and a Pentagon spokesman called it absurd. Jessica Beatty, NTD News.
0: Ukraine's Chernobyl nuclear power plant, seized by Russian forces, has lost power. Today, the International Energy Agency tweeted that it has been informed by Ukraine of the power loss but sees no critical impact on the plant's safety. The IAEA announcement comes after Ukrainian security and intelligence officials warned of a possible radiation leak. Ukraine's foreign minister said reserve diesel generators only have a 48-hour capacity to power the plant. After that, cooling systems will stop and make radiation leaks imminent. Ukrainian officials are calling on the international community to demand a ceasefire from Russia so workers can restore power. Some drone enthusiasts are forming a volunteer drone force to help their country track Russian forces. Off-the-shelf consumer drones aren't much use as weapons, but they can be powerful reconnaissance tools. Let's take a look.
6: In a Facebook post last week, the Ukrainian military called for citizens to donate hobby drones and to volunteer as experienced pilots to operate them. The owner of a retail store selling consumer drones in Kyiv says his entire stock of some 300 drones has been dispersed for the cause.
7: We supply every day around 100 drones and that charity they supply to uh, end users, civilian users, military users those drones, and everybody st- started to use these drones to find some enemies in our country, and uh, it's uh, helpful. And I know many examples when it saved uh, life of our Ukrainian people.
6: Civilian drone enthusiasts have been using the aerial cameras to track mm-hmm. Russian convoys and then relay the images and GPS coordinates to Ukrainian troops. Some of the machines have night vision and heat sensors, but using them in the current war comes with risk.
7: It's scary to use a drone when uh, you're you know, in Ukraine right now, because it's a uh, huge risk for your life that you will be detected and destroyed by them. So you have to r- follow some rules to avoid to be detected. Small
6: civilian drones will likely become more important in a protracted war. A military expert says he expects Ukrainian civilians to start using drones in ways other than aerial photos and videos.
8: The final thing that we haven't seen yet, but we can expect it'll happen, is the same way that small civilian drones were used in wars like uh, Iraq. Jury rig arming them, basically taking the small drone and mounting some kind of weapon on it.
6: Meanwhile, in the Czech Republic, a group called the Memory of Nations is donating two dozen drones along with other protective gear to Ukrainians defending their country.
0: The U.S. rejected a surprise offer from its NATO ally Poland on Tuesday. The offer was to transfer fighter jets to an American base in Germany in the hopes of bolstering Ukraine's air force.
8: Washington turned down Poland's foreign ministry after it had announced it was ready to deploy its MIG-29 jets to Rammstein Air Base in Germany and put them at the disposal of the United States. Warsaw also urged other members of the NATO alliance to do the same. Victoria Nuland, a top U.S. diplomat, said the Polish proposal caught Washington by surprise. She told the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, quote, to my knowledge, it wasn't pre-consulted with us that they planned to give these planes to us. The U.S. has sought to speed weapons deliveries to Ukraine, but the Pentagon said flying NATO combat aircraft into the war zone raises serious concerns for the entire alliance. That's what Pentagon spokesperson John Kirby said on Tuesday. He responded to Poland's offer on Twitter, saying, quote, It is simply not clear to us that there is a substantive rationale for it. We will continue to consult with Poland and our other NATO allies about this issue and the difficult logistical challenges it presents, but we do not believe Poland's proposal is a tenable one. Russia warned this week that countries offering airfields to Ukraine may be considered a declaration of war. NATO has said it does not want direct conflict with Russia, and the White House has ruled out sending troops into Ukraine to fight. However, the U.S. military announced it would reposition forces to Poland proactively to counter any threat to NATO allies.
0: Both parties in Congress have agreed on an aid package for Ukraine. It's part of a larger government spending bill that lawmakers are pressing to pass within the week. Here are the details.
2: The U.S. Congress has agreed on an aid package for Ukraine and its Eastern European allies. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell says the new figure now totals around $14 billion. It's been challenging uh, to get our Democratic colleagues to do what I believe the Ukrainians uh, need at this particular point. But where we've ended up is at $14 billion. The Ukraine aid is part of a $1.5 trillion government spending bill on track for a vote this week. McConnell says the measure would provide loan guarantees for NATO allies, including Poland, for purchases of U.S. aircraft to replace warplanes they are sending to Ukraine. He also accused Democrats of being too slow with assistance. It's been like pulling teeth uh, to get out of House Democrats what the Ukrainians obviously need at this particular time. Um, And we've been slow. Democrats say time was needed to bring along European allies that rely heavily on Russian energy sources. Senate Leader Chuck Schumer said Republicans and Democrats are very close to finalizing the agreement. The omnibus comes at a crucial moment. With the war in Europe and the return to normal after the pandemic, we have to confront challenges that we haven't seen in a very long time. The events in Ukraine have necessitated action and we need to get this done and get it done very fast. Overall spending would boost defense and domestic spending from last year's levels, though exact numbers are not yet available. Senator John Thune said Republicans are satisfied with the boost for the military. Lawmakers will need to approve the new package by week's end. Otherwise, they will have to pass another short-term bill to prevent a federal shutdown.
0: Following the U.S. ban on Russian oil imports, President Biden says gas prices will go up. We hear from analysts with a range of perspectives on how that ban will affect your time at the pump. Biden was asked about gas prices during his Tuesday trip to Fort Worth, Texas. It's go
4: up. can't do much right now. Russia's
0: gas prices are already at historical highs. And on Tuesday, the U.S. announced a ban on Russian oil imports to punish Russia further for invading Ukraine. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki called the hike a Putin spike at the pump, not one caused by sanctions. Gas in the U.S. costs $4.17 per gallon on average. An analyst believes the ban will make a real impact. That's because he says oil is priced globally, so when Russian oil is banned, that will affect global oil markets.
5: And if they have an impact on the global oil markets, they're gonna have an impact on gas prices here at home. So it may not be a a large amount physically, but from a practical point of view, it it makes a huge difference in terms of prices.
0: Russian oil accounted for about 1% of U.S. supply overall last year. But another analyst says the U.S. can easily adjust for the loss of Russian oil imports. Those imports total 672,000 barrels a day of both crude, and refined oil products.
8: Here in the United States, I mean, we, we've imported 200,000 barrels a day. We imported about 450,000 barrels of product, mostly unfinished distillate. that we run through the refinery to boost yields on the uh, other end of the refinery. It comes out more distillate, more gasoline. Uh, we don't really need those 200 barrels. We don't need those 450,000 barrels. So we can definitely exist without that. It's a, it's a, It's a spit in the bucket.
0: Oil industry company Shell made a purchase of Russian crude on March 4th. It drew criticism for the move. Then it said it would stop all spot purchases from Russia. Oil prices rose over 30% after Russia's invasion of Ukraine and the sanctions that followed. Now, analysts in a consulting company in Oslo say the import bans could cause the global price to reach $200 per barrel. The Ukrainian war has spiked U.S. gas prices to unprecedented levels, But which states are the highest? Let's take a look.
2: Skyrocketing gas prices are adding to the financial load on families nationwide. But the situation in blue states could be even tougher. According to data collected by GasBuddy, gas prices in the Democrat-led states are by far the highest in the country. These include Washington, Nevada, and Oregon on the Pacific coast, and further east, Illinois, Pennsylvania, and New York. Among them, California leads the pack. The average price of unleaded gas is nearing $5.57 a gallon. The lowest prices are in Kansas and Oklahoma, both with an average price below $3.80 a gallon. Other states like Missouri and Arkansas are also under $3.90 a gallon. In a State of the Union address, President Biden said he plans to release 30 million barrels of oil from a strategic petroleum reserve. But that's done little to cushion the blow. The national average oil price is now nearing $4.30 a gallon, breaking the record set during the 2008 recession. Republicans have called for expanding domestic oil production, while Democrats favor a pause in the federal gas tax. And Biden says he's considering all options for lowering gas prices. Meanwhile, membership-only warehouses, Costco and Walmart's Sam's Club, are now vying to dominate the gas business. A Sam's Club in Maryland is currently averaging $4 for unleaded. For one Costco location, that amount is $3.98 per gallon. Statewide, Maryland is now averaging
0: $4.24 a gallon. The Venezuelan regime has freed two jailed Americans as it seeks to improve relations with the Biden administration. One of them is an oil executive who was imprisoned for more than four years. Gustavo Cardenas was released following a secret weekend visit to Venezuela by senior Biden administration officials. It was the first White House trip to the country in more than two decades. Also freed was Jorge Fernandez. He was arrested last year on what the White House described as spurious charges. President Biden said in a statement that the men are fathers who lost precious time with their children and everyone they love. The release came hours after Venezuelan leader Nicolas Maduro signaled an interest in improving relations. Cardenas and five other executives of Houston-based Citgo were detained in Venezuela in 2017. They were led away by masked security agents while at a meeting in Caracas. Sitko is a subsidiary of Venezuela's state-owned oil giant. The West has imposed immense financial pressure on Russia for invading Ukraine. This has hit Russian oligarchs, devalued its currency, and dealt a major blow to the Kremlin's budget by banning Russian oil. But there's another player on the field, China. How will Beijing respond? New York Times bestselling author Neil Godfrey offers her insight into this question.
9: Well, I think that there's no way to think that Russia is not going to collapse economically. Uh, The only wild card here is China. And China is kind of, if you think of it as China buying Russia right now. And that's really what's going on.
0: So can you explain a little bit more about what this means?
9: Well, frankly, China is going to pick up where the rest of us have left Russia. And what they're going to do is they are going to supply the oil and the liquid natural natural gas. They're going to start buying into Russian companies. They are going to slowly economically take over Russia, as far as I'm concerned. And Russia has no choice. That's their only out right now. And then all of a sudden we're going to wake up and those Russian companies will be owned by China same way China has done that in terms of natural resources all over the world.
0: Saying that China is coming in to pick up the pieces.
9: China will pick up the pieces. China will keep them bolstered. China can move money in. China is going to be paying their new pipeline in euros and not in dollars. So what China wants to do, as did Russia, as frankly did Europe, is to take oil off the dollar market and have it delineated in euros. And that's what we're going to slowly see. So the economic benefits to China are immense. Well,
0: let's look at the state side. So how are Americans going to cope with the high gas prices that are resulting from the Ukraine-Russia crisis?
9: Truthfully, not well. Um, In America, we have a very, very short memory. And any pain that's inflicted upon us, especially economically, we're going to have a backlash. We'll put up with it for two weeks going, wow, yay, back up Ukraine, it's okay, I'll pay a dollar extra a gallon. Give it two, three, four weeks, there's going to be a lot of pressure. And I don't think that the oil that we're releasing from the reserves is going to make up for the price increase.
0: Russia makes up about 8% of U.S. petroleum imports, and according to the Wall Street Journal, it would not be hard for Russia to find another country to buy this amount, nor would it be hard for the U.S. to find another source for it. A dual citizen of the United States and Russia who ran an I Love Russia influence campaign has been charged with acting illegally as an unregistered agent of the Russian government. That's according to federal prosecutors in New York. Elena Branson faces six criminal counts. Prosecutors accused her of failing to register with the U.S. government as a foreign government agent and participating in a visa fraud conspiracy. Prosecutors say she left the U.S. for Russia in 2020 and remains at large. The charges coincide with the U.S. seeking to put Russia under pressure with economic sanctions because of its invasion of Ukraine. A judge rules the Navy can't remove a commander who won't get the COVID-19 vaccine so Navy officials are keeping his warship docked. The commander's religious exemption request was turned down. The service said a guided missile destroyer is out of commission after a Florida federal judge ruled the Navy and Marine Corps cannot remove the officer. The judge barred Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin and all other military officials from taking punitive actions against him. He wrote that the Navy's rejection, failed to note the branch has separately granted hundreds of medical exemptions to the mandate. Top military officials determined the commander's religious beliefs were sincere, but claimed granting the exemption would be detrimental to the sailors that serve alongside him. The Navy says the judge's ruling is an intrusion on the military's inner workings during a global military crisis. But the judge accuses the Defense Department of trying to use the frightening scenario of a dire national emergency, to justify their position. The post office is in for a massive overhaul. The Senate voted in a 79 to 19 bipartisan decision to approve the Postal Service Reform Act. It removes two large hurdles to the post office's finances. First, it requires postal employees to enroll in Medicare as soon as they are eligible. Second, it drops a mandate that requires the agency to cover its healthcare costs years in advance. The House Oversight Committee says these measures will save the U.S.P.S. nearly $50 billion over the next decade. Some experts are warning the benefits are strictly financial and may not result in better service for customers. The good news? The U.S. has a record number of job openings. In January, there were 11.3 million open jobs. The bad news? There aren't enough workers. That's the latest from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. And get this. 4.3 million people quit at the start of the year, looking for better pay as gas and grocery prices rose. The California Air Resources Board is planning to significantly increase electric vehicle requirements by 2030, this as the state moves to phase out the sale of gasoline powered light duty vehicles by 2035. In a draft document, the California regulator previously said it aimed to reach 61% zero emissions electric vehicle sales by 2030. However, this came under criticism from environmental groups. Group spokesperson, board spokesman Stanley Young said the board is already planning to substantially increase the stringency of its proposal. The new proposal is still under staff review, but would aim for 68% zero emission vehicles in 2030, 76% in 2031, and 100% in 2035. Authorities have filed criminal charges against a cryptocurrency executive and civil charges against him and his sister. They're accused of defrauding retail investors out of millions of dollars with a digital token known as Ormeus Coin. The Justice Department says John Barksdale lied about the value and profitability of Ormeus Coin's mining assets. Barksdale and his sister, Jonathan Johnatina Barksdale, were separately charged by the Securities and Exchange Commission, with conducting fraudulent, unregistered offerings of Ormeus Coin, the SEC said the Barksdales raised $124 million from more than 20,000 investors since 2017. They've spent millions of dollars on travel, real estate, and other personal expenses. Authorities said the siblings promoted Ormeus Coin through radio shows and social media, as well as on a Times Square jumbotron. John Barksdale faces up to 65 years in prison on securities fraud, wire fraud, and conspiracy charges. Did Amazon lie to Congress? That's what House lawmakers say, and now they want the Justice Department to investigate. In a letter to the Attorney General Wednesday, members of the House Judiciary Committee say a senior executive lied about the company, how the company used data it collects from third-party sellers. These lawmakers spent much of 2019 and 2020 probing Amazon for possible antitrust violations. Amazon claims it doesn't use data from third-party sellers to figure out how to make its competing products. But according to this letter, lawmakers don't buy it. Amazon hasn't responded yet. Major League Baseball and its players' union are still locked in negotiations. Some games have already been canceled as the two sides inch towards a potential agreement. The league says the two sides are still deadlocked, even after the union's latest concessions. The primary issue is the competitive balance tax, which serves as a salary cap. The players' union is currently offering $238 million per franchise. The owners are at $220 million. Another point of negotiation is the minimum salary. The MLB is among the lowest for major sports. The two sides are at much closer figures than when they started and likely will settle somewhere in the middle. The Yankees president said on the team's YES Network that it's a horrible situation. He also said everyone on the Yankees team and everyone in Major League Baseball shares the blame. Minneapolis teachers and teacher aides picketed outside schools across the city on Tuesday. This was the first day of a strike after their unions failed to reach an agreement with the state's largest district on a new labor contract. Hundreds of teachers marched in front of schools across the city. They waved picket signs and chanted slogans as passing motorists honked horns. The work stoppage led Minneapolis public schools to cancel classes for 31,000 students on Tuesday. This was three weeks after unions representing the city's 4,500 teachers and education support professionals authorized the job action. Issues dividing the two sides include teacher aid salaries, and the union's demands for smaller class sizes and better mental health support for students. The district said in a statement that it would remain at the bargaining table in hopes of reducing the impact of the strike. It will also provide packaged meals to students at schools starting on Wednesday, although classes are canceled indefinitely. Millions of genetically modified mosquitoes are set to be released in California and Florida in an effort to reduce the number of real, disease-carrying, invasive mosquitoes. The Environmental Protection Agency approved use of the genetically engineered insects and in pilot projects. The mosquitoes were made by a UK-based biotechnology firm, Oxitec. It's funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Oxitec says its technology is proven to control disease-transmitting mosquitoes. The company's new technology consists of genetically modified male mosquitoes that will be released into the wild to mate with females. In mating, they will pass on a lethal gene that will effectively ensure their offspring die before reaching maturity. The upcoming release of the modified insects will be the largest release in world history. But critics are concerned about the impacts of genetically altered mosquitoes on public health and the environment. They have said the results are unknown and could create unforeseen problems. Still to come, a high school boy shines on the musical stage after losing a leg to cancer. He inspires the audience with his resilient and upbeat spirit. All that and more after the short break. high school boy tells his story of resilience and optimism the 18 year old lost his leg to cancer but he did not lose his faith in life
2: in the small Michigan town of Cadillac Disney's high school musical is ready to hit the stage one of the lead actors Michael McGuire survived cancer years ago though at the cost of losing one leg I don't think I've really thought about cancer itself for four years I thought about like my leg and amputation, but it really hasn't been about cancer all that much. A dance-based show was a tough challenge for Mikhail with his prosthetic leg, but the 18-year-old says he just wants the audience to enjoy the show. You're going to have tough times, but like, if you continue to dwell on those tough times while you're having these good times, it's going to ruin the fun of the moment. Mikhail McGuire was diagnosed with bone cancer when he was 11. He underwent chemotherapy and has been cancer-free over five years. As hope waned for saving his left leg, he eventually opted for an above knee amputation.
9: With his limb salvage leg, when he had his full leg, he was more handicapped than he is now without his leg. It was like a dead weight. It was dead weight for him.
2: He also plays soccer and golf, and even learned to ski on one leg. A lot of it comes with the
0: mindset. What are you gonna do and where are you gonna go? What do you wanna be? Don't let this stop you from living.
2: Mikhail says he tried to stay focused on the positive, even when the pandemic shuts down the world and makes it impossible to perform on stage. This spirit passes on to those around him. I'm sure as a teenage boy, he's been in a bad mood at some point, but I've never seen it. He just always just channels this great positive can-do attitude. He's just an absolute joy to be around. He's one of the finest humans I know for sure. Next year, Mikhail will be attending college. He wishes to become a pediatric oncologist in the future
0: and to help children with cancer just like him. Kohl's is getting a makeover. The company is not going to be a department store anymore, it says. Instead, it's going to be adding Sephora mini shops to about 75% of its U.S. stores and open 100 new locations that'll be about half the size of what they are now, with more of a focus on fitness, athleisure, and jeans. The company says it's also going to bump up its popular Kohl's cash rewards and shake up its online strategies. Of course, Kohl's is just one of a number of department stores that's taken a hit over the past few years, but it isn't listening to calls for a spin off or a buyout, opting instead for reinvention. Despite political tensions between the U.S. and China, more than 80% of American companies in China say they don't want to leave. That's according to a new survey from the American Chamber of Commerce in China. Is this really the case? And if so, why? Entities Don Ma has more.
10: Does the survey present an accurate picture of what we see on the ground in China? Attorney Dan Harris, who represents business clients in China, says it does.
5: This is 100% of what we see, and it's what we've been seeing for probably three years.
10: The companies don't want to leave China despite a slew of concerns.
7: And I think there is, uh, globally, there's a, a caution right now for a number of reasons, one of which is the continuation of the COVID crisis.
10: James Nolt, an expert on political economy, says the companies aren't leaving because of profit.
7: It's a huge market, so they have no reason to leave as long as they're uh profiting and operating successfully in the country
5: if you're an american company and you're buying product from china and it's getting delivered you can read about all the news you can listen to all the people who say it's just going to get worse but as long as it's working for you and you're that is not one of the fires you need to put out you're not going to do much
10: harris adds that for some companies even if they want to leave they usually don't because it costs too much
5: Moving out of China and moving somewhere else is not easy, and it's not fast, and it's not cheap.
10: Even though it seems the majority of companies surveyed don't intend to leave China, they're not making major investments inside China either. This could be because companies are worried about the potential risks, which could be significant.
5: This is the kind of advice we give our clients. Figure out how to best minimize their footprint and to be in a position where when things get really bad your losses are less um, i think what's happened in russia is incredibly instructive
10: more than a third of those surveyed said they would actually reduce investment in china due to an uncertain policy environment in the country don and ntd news
0: Over 20 Chinese provinces and municipalities have reported COVID-19 cases this month, but Beijing is still holding firm to its zero cases policy using mass testing and strict quarantine rules to try and stomp out the spread. Here's NTD's Tiffany Meyer with China in Focus for more details. The Chinese Communist Party, or
11: CCP virus, is making the rounds across China. According to official data, 24 provinces or municipalities in the country have reported confirmed cases this month. Beijing has held firm to its so-called zero-case policy. It seeks to completely eradicate all CCP virus cases through mass testing its residents to quickly detect new infections and stringent lockdown measures to halt the spread. The policy differs from most other nations, which have largely adopted to living with the virus in low numbers. On Monday, China reported just over 300 cases, though NTD cannot independently verify that figure due to the Chinese regime's tight control over what information is released and its history of under-reporting virus cases. That number may be much higher in reality. In southern China's Shenzhen City, residents must get tested for the CCP virus daily. Anyone who refuses is barred from going to work the next day. On top of that, refusing a test prompts an automatic yellow health code reading. The digital codes are stored on smartphones and are part of China's contact tracing program. A yellow reading indicates that a person may be at risk of infection And means its holder will be blocked from riding public transportation, entering grocery stores, or visiting other public spaces. Shenzhen City is one of Hong Kong's closest neighbors. And right now, Hong Kong is facing an unprecedented pandemic surge. Tens of thousands of people are testing positive daily, while the daily death toll sits in the hundreds. Other regions in China are coping with similar issues. Some parts of Shanghai are now under lockdown. Students from one elementary school plus their parents were gathered up and taken to a quarantine center after just one parent tested positive for the infection. A resident living close to the school told us more about the situation. They explained that locals don't dare to leave their homes now because if anyone shows symptoms of illness, even just the common cold, they'll be taken to quarantine.
0: South Korea's 2022 presidential election is underway, and so far, the results are too close to call. This election will shape the next five years for the fourth-largest economy in Asia. Competing for the presidency are liberal leader Lee Jae-myung and conservative leader Yoon Suk-yeol. Members of the two parties are now waiting anxiously for the vote count. Among the country's 44 million eligible voters, more than 76 percent have cast ballots. Exit polls, show the race running neck and neck toward the end of voting. And two polls even point to different winners. A local broadcaster's poll result has Lee with just over 48% against Yoon's 47.7%. Yet another poll conducted by three network TV stations suggests the opposite. It shows Yoon wins over Lee by a narrow margin. Election officials said earlier that the vote count could take longer than usual because of the extended voting period for COVID-19 patients. The country's next president will face increasing challenges. That includes deepening inequality, a rock-bottom birth rate, soaring housing prices, and the aftermath of the country's worst wave of the pandemic. Just ahead, an eight-year-old war victim gets treated at a Ukrainian hospital after a shell explodes in his home. He is the most seriously injured of his family members. A pianist seeks to use music to help Ukrainians find peace. He's playing piano for people fleeing the war zone. Find out more here on NTD News. boy from Kharkiv is in a pediatric neurosurgery center after a shell exploded in his family's home and left shrapnel in his skull.
12: Dima Kasyanov is an 8-year-old boy from the embattled city of Kharkiv in Ukraine. He's unconscious and in a pediatric neurosurgery center. His father, Sergei Kasyanov, showed Reuters his son's X-ray.
4: This is shrapnel. It entered via jaw and lodged itself at the base of the skull. The child's mother silently wept. We were all at home. The shell hit the apartment and exploded inside, setting two parts of the building on fire. We grabbed a few things, documents, and just like we were in pajamas, we escaped. My mother suffered as well. She is in intensive care. She has broken ribs and damage to her spine. The doctors treated it, but the child, he suffered the worst injury.
12: Kharkiv has seen some of the heaviest fighting since Russian troops invaded Ukraine on February 24th. The Ukrainian regional police official said on Tuesday that 170 civilians had been killed across the Kharkiv region since the war began, including five children. Russia denies targeting civilians and said its forces are engaged in a, quote, special military operation. None of that makes sense to Dima's
4: father. All there is in our part of town are some private businesses and two hospitals nearby. No military warehouses, military establishments, units, nothing. Just some orchards, summer houses.
12: This hospital treats the youngest and most defenseless victims of the fighting. A doctor leans over to ask a child, who he calls little Vova, how he's doing. I'm fine, he replies faintly. Medics said he was hit in the head by a bullet during fighting in the first few days of Russia's attack on Ukraine, one of several children brought into the hospital to be treated for shrapnel and bullet wounds. Alexander Dichnovsky, the doctor who heads the center, said the unit had operated on four children with war wounds so far.
4: Sadly, one little girl died yesterday. She was admitted on the first night of the aggression and invasion of our country.
12: In the surgery theater, a Reuters reporter heard the rumble of a distant explosion. One of the nurses explained, that was just part of the job now.
0: More than 1.5 million Ukrainian refugees flee their war-torn country. We'll take a look at the major humanitarian efforts in place to help them.
13: If you look behind me right now, you can see all the people just coming in, right? It just doesn't stop flowing. It's nighttime here. It'll keep it like this all night long.
14: On Ukraine's border with Poland, Michael Caponi is watching the steady flow of refugees. The founder of the Miami based Global Empowerment Mission, or GEM, has been in Medica, Poland for more than a week now, providing aid to refugees.
13: This is Cecilia and Said. They're here with us, and they basically walked over, it took them three days to get here.
14: THE GLOBAL EMPOWERMENT TEAM SAYS THEY ARE THE FIRST FRIENDLY FACES THESE UKRAINIAN REFUGEES SEE ONCE THEY CROSS OVER. ON SITE, Gem PROVIDES WARM TEA, SNACKS, MEDICAL SUPPLIES AND OTHER ESSENTIALS.
13: LOTS OF HYGIENE KITS, uh, PROBABLY 20,000 SLEEPING BAGS. WE FILLED A TRUCK YESTERDAY WITH uh, UNDERGARMENTS FOR uh, PEOPLE BECAUSE IT'S FREEZING, um, ALL KINDS OF WARM THINGS.
14: Gem HAS COMMITTED TO $15 MILLION IN AID. A big part of their mission is also keeping refugees safe and, if possible, reunite them with family members outside Ukraine.
13: So, this is Nadia, right? She's basically in our car. We're basically getting her out of here. She just walked all this way from Kyiv, and this is her cat that she had with like her.
14: Oh, you're beautiful. Michael says Nadia walked for four days carrying her cat. His team got her a hotel and were hoping to reunite her with family elsewhere. Jem is in partnership with TV personality Bethany Frankel, but Jem also has help from people on the inside. The organization says Ukrainian church pastors are helping Jem identify people who need passports, and travel agency partners are helping to quickly process airplane and train tickets. Mothers like this woman, Christina. Who global empowerment helped first to get a hotel
1: my daughter is asking 100 uh, times for a day when we need to come back home but we can't do this because there is a
14: war then safely evacuate to her husband's relatives in spain Now, uh, my daughter isn't safe as me and all my family. Michael says they are processing about 1,000 families per day, but are in a race against time as the conflict worsens and more Ukrainians march across the border desperate for help.
0: Two million people have fled Ukraine since the beginning of the Russian invasion. It's estimated that nearly half of those refugees have crossed into Poland, At the very worst moment in these refugees' lives, a German musician is offering them a kind welcome. Let's meet the Piano Man for Peace.
8: As the world's newest war refugees step into Poland from Ukraine, they arrive to an unexpected sound. At the Medica Poland border crossing, playing his heart out just for them.
3: I'm just trying to welcome all the refugees. And I know that all those people, they hear bombing, guns shooting, uh, cannons, and whatever.
8: Davide Martello traveled from Germany.
3: The piece is starting right here.
8: A piano man for peace.
3: I have a trailer and I just drove like 17 hours straight. I turn the music very loud so they can hear me everywhere. That is my purpose.
8: And the message is received. This is another stop on the Piano Man's Peace Tour.
3: Taxi Square, um, 2014 and Ukraine too, in Donetsk, uh, Afghanistan with the army, Bataclan, Charlie His next stop, Lviv, Ukraine. Before I die or something happens, I at least want to do something. Maybe I can soften Putin's heart with music because everybody loves music. I bet Putin loves music too.
0: cake artist in India's western Pune city has entered the World Book of Records London for making a gigantic Milan Cathedral-shaped vegan cake. Prachi Dabal Dev was awarded for creating the most number of vegan eggless royal icing structures inspired by Indian and European architectures. The 220 pound cake was created by Deb in a month. It's six and a half feet long and four and a half feet tall, situated in Italy, The Milan Cathedral is dedicated to the Nativity of Mary, a feast day that celebrates the birth of the Mother of Jesus, Mary. The wreckage of Sir Ernest Shackleton's ship, Endurance, has been found off the coast of Antarctica. The Falklands Maritime Heritage Trust made the announcement today. The Endurance 22 expedition found the sunken ship at a depth of 10,000 feet, not seen since it was crushed by ice in 2015. The Endurance is now protected as a historic site and monument under the Antarctic Treaty. The expedition team, which included archaeologists, extreme environment filmmakers, and scientists, set off from Cape Town, South Africa. Expedition leader Dr. John Shears said the expedition had made polar history with the discovery of of Endurance and successfully completed the world's most challenging shipwreck search. According to the expedition's project manager, the mission was the most complex subsea project ever undertaken and one that has broken several world records. An unexpected interruption by an owl at a Queensland news conference today has left the usually silent Australian sign language interpreter the center of attention. Interpreter Mike Webb received an unwelcomed bombardment from above while he was signing mid-news conference when an owl defecated on his face and jacket. Webb paused briefly as he took off his jacket and wiped his face before continuing with the news conference unfazed. This is not the first time a Queensland news conference has been derailed by an animal. In December 2021, a huntsman spider crawled up the health minister's leg as she addressed the media. The Milwaukee County Zoo has new otter pups, the first surviving litter for the zoo. The three male and one female pups were born to mom, Shamrock, and dad, Malarkey, or Larky, on February 7th. The zoo says Shamrock is extremely attentive and stays with the pups constantly in an off-exhibit holding area. Zookeepers have been careful to keep a consistent routine for Shamrock so there is no distress. The zoo says the pups appear to be healthy and developing well. The pups will remain off-exhibit for the next few months. They do not have names yet. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, I'm Kevin Hogan, NTD News, New York City.